This is Pastor Randy and Pastor Nicole here. And listen, we are in February, the month of love, right, baby? That's right. Oftentimes in the month of love, we love everything else. We love our children. We love our jobs. We love what we do. We love our sports or our hobbies. We're asking you this month to love your marriage. It's important that we prioritize the things that are important in life and hold us together. Yes, amen. And to help us do that, on February the 24th, it's a Friday night from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., we have a special Love Your Marriage event that's happening, right? That's right. There's going to be finger foods. There's going to be giveaways. And child care, so there's no excuse not to show up. No, free child care. You don't even have to pay for it. Yes, so listen, there's going to be a QR code right there on your screen. If you want to like hit that QR code, you'll know all the information, again, the time and the date. We want to see you there to just help build your marriages and make them stronger. Be sure and invite friends. They don't even have to attend our church. That's right. But just come out to improve their marriage. Love your marriage. Amen. We want to see you there, everybody. God bless you. We love you. Bye. Hello. How's everyone doing tonight? It's good to be in church. Amen. All right. Turn to your neighbor. Give him a high five. Tell him you're glad to see him here. Live streamers, we're so glad that you're watching. Just drop us a heart below and let us know that you're here. Also, if you are a first-time guest, there is a card on the back of the pew. If you want to fill that out and come out to the big desk in the lobby there, we would love to meet you and just connect with you tonight. So the first thing I have is, just like you saw that commercial up there, we have a special event coming up next weekend called Love Your Marriage. It's a free event with free childcare. So if you want to come on out, you can sign up out at the Welcome Center. It is going to be a great night of learning. And I'm excited for it. Is anyone else here excited for it? All right. And the last thing I have is we are collecting coats for Mercy Mission in Sydney. So if you want to go out, right now is a great time to get them because coats are going on clearance. Just go out and buy a couple coats. It's a great way to bless someone and make a difference. Amen? All right. Get on your feet with us tonight. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this night, God. We thank you, Lord that your presence is here, Father. We thank you, Lord, that chains are going to fall off, Father God, that freedom's going to come, Lord. Just help us to set aside everything that's hindered us from the week, Lord, and just fully surrender to you and have this sweet, sweet time in your presence and worshiping you, Lord. I thank you for the message tonight, God, that hearts are going to be touched, Father God. Hearts are going to be filled with joy tonight, Father. And we thank you for what you're going to do in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Can't stop singing. Your 
up in this place tonight. Oh, Jesus, you are so worthy, Lord. We come here to magnify your name. Oh, yes. And as the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. So come down, Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you would fill me. So come down, Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving.
Great night tonight, amen? We're excited to be in the house of the Lord because I just believe it's always important to come to church with expectancy, amen? You know, we're not here by chance. We could be in a, probably a hundred different places right now, but we're here. And the Bible says we're two or three are gathered in his name. We're, he's here in our midst. So I believe tonight he's here to touch you, to heal you, to bring breakthroughs to you as well. And uh, I know it's just going to be a great night. So we got small groups as well. So I'm, I'm here to receive the offering tonight. So if you do need a tithe and offering envelope, uh, you know the tradition. You can have one of our great-looking ushers hand you one. Or if you want to do electronically, which I do, you can just simply 
Uh, you can text to give. You can go to our, our, our church app. You can go to our, our website. You can give that way. Very easy way of doing it, and uh, it's easy to keep, keep track of receiving as well at the same time. Well, I wanted to uh, yeah, talk about one verse. Uh, I'm going to talk about two verses. That's not true. We know uh, Malachi 3.10 says, bring your tithes into God's storehouse, right, that there might be meat in my house. And he says, prove me herewith, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon you, that you will ha not have room enough to receive it. We know that's a promise, right? That's, that's obedience. When we do that, then we get the byproducts of the blessing, right? We have barns that are overflowing. We have finances coming in. God's bringing blessing and resources. But I want to read to you tonight uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. This is, uh, of course, the great faith chapter of the Bible. And it talks about Noah, talks about Enoch, talks about Abel, talks about Abraham. But uh, Hebrews eleven six 6 says this. It says, but without faith is it possible to please him, God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We know God's promises are true. We know he rewards obedience. Amen. And I, I, as I was praying about this, I just felt the Lord kind of stir my heart to share a brief uh, Brother Schambach story. I was, uh, had the privilege of serving Brother Schambach for 17 years and uh, saw so many wonderful miracles, saw so many great breakthroughs, financial blessings. It was, uh, it's too many for me to be, even begin to account. But I, I, was, I was praying about this. I, I remember a story that Brother Schambach shared. And this was an electrician. He was in Brooklyn, New York. And he was, uh, uh, he was using his faith to buy a vehicle. Uh, and, and Brother Shomach that night received an offering, and the man uh, gave uh, a pretty significant offering that night as, as, a, as a point of contact, believing that the Lord touched his heart. The Holy Spirit told him amount to give, and he gave it. And uh, so he released it, and he shared with Brother Schambach after the service. Now, Brother Schambach, I believe in God for a, a blessing. I believe in God for a breakthrough. And he, and he said, well, son, did, you, did, you, did God tell you to give that? He said, yeah, well, then rejoice. It's going to happen. And see, he said, this was an electrician, and, uh, of course, his job required him to have a truck to, to drive from point A to point B. And he was driving what Brother Shema called an old piece of thing. Now, for those of you who don't understand that, that's maybe a clunker, doesn't work very well, you know, tires are bald, you know, that kind of thing. I think we've all been there at least once in our life. I know I can raise my hand probably two or three times. But, um, you know, he was believing God for a breakthrough. So as he was driving, this is the electrician now, the next day, the very next day after that, he gave that offering. He was driving his truck to a job site, and the God, God spoke to him. And God said, stop your truck. And he's thinking to myself, is this, Lord, what are you telling me? I'm, trying, I'm, I'm in traffic right now. Stop my truck. He said, stop your truck. So he pulls over aside, stops his truck, and he says, now get out. And he says, okay, I get out of my truck. You can imagine in Brooklyn, New York, we got thousands of people passing by and probably looking like, you know, hey, we can get that guy's car and tires pretty quick if he gets out much longer and walks away. Uh, but he gets, out of the, he gets out of the vehicle and says, now open the hood. And now Brother Schombach was not mechanically inclined, so uh, Brother Schombach would always say, now God would not speak to me that way because uh, if God told me to open the hood, I'd probably open the trunk. That's just Brother Schombach's mindset when it came to vehicles. He was not mechanically inclined. I can prove to that because I changed his oil and did different things for him as well. But um, so, so he, opens the, he opens the hood. He's kind of embarrassed. He's feeling like, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. And God said, he's looking down. I look down. He looked down by the carburetor. He looks down by the carburetor. He doesn't see anybody but a carburetor. He closes the hood, gets back in the vehicle thinking, was that God? I, I don't understand this. And so he, uh, he starts driving down the highway again, and God said, stop your truck. He said, God, I spot my truck. I did what you told me to do. What are you asking me to do? He said, stop your truck. Stops his truck again. Getting thousands of cars passing by him, honking at him, you know. 
you know, telling he's number one, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and so he gets out and he says, okay, Lord, now what? He said, I want you to open your hood. He said, I did that. He said, open your hood. He opens his hood again. And he says, now look down by the carburetor. He said, Lord, I did that again. What do you, he said, now don't look with your eyes. Reach with your hands this time. So he reaches his hand in by the carburetor. He feels, he feels something. He feels a carburetor. He feels the oil filter. And he feels something else that, that's foreign to, to, to that vehicle. And the Lord says, that's it. Break it off. So he kind of shakes it, kind of breaks it off. And it's just a clump full of grease. And the Lord said, clean that stuff off. So he's, you know, he's, 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 in, he's, in, it, he's in it right now. He's, he's, he's fully into this process. So he gets, his, he gets his rag out of his pocket, starts cleaning it off, and he notices it's money. And as he, he's, now he's getting a little excited. And he starts looking at it, starts cleaning it off a lot more, a little bit more diligently. Now he's getting in his truck and making sure no one's looking around kind of stuff. And he counts this. And it was $250, $100 bills. Now, this was back in the 60s. Uh, $25,000 is a lot of money today. Back then, it was probably about $100,000. And the Lord said, see, son, I reward obedience. So tonight, church, I say that for this. I believe many of you have been believing God for a miracle or breakthrough, a financial breakthrough. And I just encourage you, be faithful, do, be obedient, follow what Malachi 3.10 says to do. When we bring our tithes in God's storehouse, there will be meat in, in his house. God will make sure there's meat in your house. He'll make sure the windows of heaven are open upon your life and pour out blessings upon us that we will not have room enough to receive them. So I encourage you tonight as you give your tithes or your offerings, rejoice in that because God's not a respecter of persons. And what he does for one, he'll do for somebody else. Now, I'm not sure. Now, I would encourage you, everyone tonight, do not go out by your car and try to find the carburetor and figure out there's something there. Now, if God tells you to do it, do it. But I just don't want you to get your hands all greasy before you get home. Your wife might think, what in the world you've been doing? Or your husband and vice versa. But listen, let's pray right now, okay? Father, I thank you for this night, God. I thank you, God, for the people and the sound of my voice, those watching online as well that are giving, Lord. Father, I just thank you, Lord. We know the promises are true, Lord. We thank you, God, that when we give, it will be given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Father, I thank you, God, for your, your faithfulness to us, Lord. Even when we weren't faithful to you, you've always had just pulled us back, and you help us, and you guide us, and you lead us, and direct us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for blessing the offering tonight and the tithes. And Lord, I just ask you, Lord God, to bless every giver, Lord. Bring back uh, a harvest into every person's house, God, that gives tonight. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. And you, after you give your tithes and offerings, you are dismissed for small groups. with what 50 of you in here let's do it all right praise God praise God I'm excited about small groups I believe in 
groups, and I, I believe in sharing struggles together and going through life together. But just because they're all in small groups don't mean we can't have our own small group right here, right? So tonight I want to share with you a message called Beauty for Ashes. I know a lot of us have probably heard the scripture out of Isaiah 61, um, but I, I want to deliver it from a woman's heart tonight. So some of you men are just going to have to put up with me because, you know, us women, sometimes things come out of our emotional place first, right? And then they hit us physically, whereas with you men, sometimes they come out and then they go through your emotions, right? So just bear with me. But I want to remind us that before we get started tonight, that as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we are resilient people. I guarantee you that if you would look at your life tonight, you would look at yourself and say, I could have never, never gone through what I've gone through in my life and thought I would have made it. But here I am and I'm on top and I'm making the best of what the devil tried to give me a bad situation for. I remember Sister Sharon and I, we were sitting in a big dinghy boat, one of these big float ups in the middle of the lake. Sharon, I don't know what lake we were on. But we were all sitting there, and a bunch, group of us girls was out there, and we were talking and just laughing, and we started getting to share about our life. And one of us had lost a child in our lives. One of us had a spouse that had been unfaithful. One of us had been molested. One of us had been promiscuous. One of us had been deep into drugs and alcohol. And you know what? Tammy sat there on that boat. I'll never forget it. And Tammy was the one who lost a child. And she said, you know what? She said, if we all were sitting in a burning building and someone yelled fire and we had taken our backpack off, this trouble, this ash, this shame, this struggle, this trial that we have been through and we threw them in the middle of the floor and someone said fire and we had to carry one of those bags out, each one of us would go back and carry the bag that we had been dealt. Because I never wanted the death of a child. You understand? And Sharon and I shared what had happened between the two of us. And she said, I don't want what you got. And I don't want what you got. Because God gives you grace to carry what it is that you got to go through. He helps you. He's there. And he takes what the devil meant for bad and he turns it just enough. Just enough that there's some goodness that is squeezed out in the end. And you're like, yep, yep. That was all worth it. I don't know why that happened. I don't understand. I don't have to know the reason. But what I know is that today I'm better than what I was yesterday. Today I'm a different person than I was then. You are resilient. You are stronger than you think you are. You are meant to hold more, do more, and to be more than you think you can. Because God is with you. So tonight I just want to love on you. I want to encourage you that there is no situation, no situation, ready for you? There is no situation or destruction in our life that is bigger than God can't redeem or save. Every single one of us in this house tonight have had something that's not been good happen to us. Every single one of us. But God just didn't come to redeem and save those in this Bible that he wrote about, his people. You and I are his children. And there's nothing I've done that can't be redeemed. 
that can't be saved, that can't be turned around and made for his good. Nothing the enemy has meant to destroy me. Nothing. Hear me now, devil. Nothing that you set out from this day forth that you could do to destroy me can. Because God is with me and he is my identity. Amen? All right, so here's where we're going to start. We're going to start in Genesis 2-7, and I'm going to read it to you for uh, time's sake. I know we've got about 45 minutes tonight. That's it, maybe 40, because we have small groups. It says, when he formed us from the dust, that he breathed his nostrils, or breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. This is talking about you and I. This is Adam. But what I want to remind you tonight is that the breath of life did not stop giving life after God breathed it once. When God breathed his life into Adam, life continued. The very provision of God's breath that gave man life is the very breath of God that will sustain you and I through every trial and every struggle and every place of shame, brokenness, and ash in our life. God's life continues, his breath, to breathe life into our dead, dry, ashy places. You get that? Ash is something that's been burned. Ash is something that's dead. It's lifeless. But God says that when I breathe life into what you thought was dead, I give it new life. And I give it beauty for your ashes. So here's what I ask you tonight. Can each one of you identify something in your life that possibly you have been hanging on to that has created an ash in your life? For example, some of you have been hurt. Some of you are self-destructors. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. You get so far in life, but once you get far enough in life that you think you can mess up, you begin to destruct it yourself so that you chose to destroy the situation rather than to admit that you might fail because you're really fearful of what could happen. Maybe some of you have control issues, control issues, and you don't know how to let those things go. I see you girls back there smiling. Yeah, they're giggling. You're making a list in your mind of things that have brought you to these places that you've got to decide to let go. And I say decide to let go because here's the problem. Everyone knows that the first place of healing is admitting that you have something you need to let go. That you have something that was meant to make you stronger, but you allowed it to burn you and you left it there. And since it's burned you, you're just done. I'm not picking it up. I'm just going to leave that there and I'm not revisiting it. And we're just going to ignore it and act like it never happened. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not what God wants for that part of your life. He wants to take what was burned. He wants to take what burnt you and turn it into something beautiful. He wants to make it into a super bloom. We'll talk about that a little bit later. This is the great exchange between the Messiah and I. And you and him. He didn't come to give you something bad for something bad. He came to give you something good for what was bad in your life. It's a great exchange. It's as simple as me saying, Chuck, I'm going to give you this $10 and you give me one of those apple pies. Kathy's still making pies? Well, you could tell her I'll give her another $10 and she'll make me another apple pie. That was amazing. 
Chuck's wife makes apple pies. They're great apple pies, and he sells them. It's an exchange, right? Chuck's getting what he wants, and I'm getting what I want. But in the relationship with Christ, you give him the nastiest, the brokenness, the, the, the most horrible burnt thing in the world, and he takes it from you and gives you something beautiful in return and doesn't ask for anything else. All you have to do is say, I want to let it go. I want to let it go. If you want to hang on to it, you can keep it. But I promise you, if you keep it and you walk around with it long enough, what happens if you have a, let's just, let's just say a piece of coal. Anybody ever picked up a piece of coal? You got to, you know, you have a fireplace and you put all the wood in there and then it all burns down and you've got to take the coals out in order to get more wood back in. But here's the problem. It don't matter how clean you try to be with those ashes. They get everywhere. It's this dust that's in the house. And before you know it, later you'll touch yourself and it smears black all over you. It's in your clothes. It's in your hair, even your nostrils. When you blow your nose, black ash comes out of your nose. Why? It's messy. If you hang on to the ashes, it will get messier and messier and messier. And before you know it, you will begin to feel dirty and ashamed. When chances are, if you'd have just given it up in the beginning, you would have never felt that. The great exchange. So what do ashes represent in the Bible? The Bible says that ashes were used as an expression of grief, loss, shame, shame of something they had done wrong. So they would put ashes up on their head and they would fast and they would repent. So it, re it re represents repentance. But take all of that and it's a realization of where things should be and how far from the mark they've become. I know this is what I'm supposed to do, but this is what happened and I can't get past what happened. And I would rather hang on to it than let it go. I'd rather hang on to it and let it destroy me and make me dysfunctional and make me emotional and make me miserable than I would to face the struggle and to deal with the problem. So let's go to Joshua 7. I got two stories for you tonight in the Bible where they used ashes. Now Joshua is leading the people of Israel. And in the seventh chapter, the first verse, it says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebedee, the son of Zariah, and the tribe of Judah took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now, what had happened is that they had gone into battle, and they were specifically told, do not take anything out of that city. Leave it all. It's cursed. We don't want any of it with us because the city had been worshiping other gods and God did not want them to bring those idols and those things into their camp. Okay. Well, Achan didn't listen and Achan took it. Okay. So speed on up here to the third verse. It says, and they returned to Joshua and said unto him, now they went to view this country they were going to go do a battle with. 
And they came back to Joshua and said, let's not take all the people up there, but about two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai and make not all the people to labor thither, for there's just a few of them. In other words, the army's not that big. We can take them with a few of us. Let our people rest. It'll be fine. So they went up there, 3,000 men, and they fled before Ai. And the men Ai smote them, about 30 and six men, for they chased the men from before the gate, even into the Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted, and they became as water. In other words, they got the snot beat out of them. Why? Because Achan had sinned. Okay? So this is what happens. Joshua rent his clothes, the leader of the Israelites, tore his clothes and fell upon the earth, upon his face, before the ark of the Lord, this is where the presence of the Lord lived, until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads, ashes. They were shameful. They were repenting because something had gone wrong. But at this time, Joshua doesn't understand. And Joshua says, at last, O Lord God, where thou hast thou brought all these people over the Jordan, deliver us into the hand of the Amorites. O Lord, he's just re repenting before the Lord. I'm sorry. I didn't know this was happening. Blah, 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 blah. And so what they do is finally it says, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all of its inhabitants of the land shall hear of it. And they shall in come around us. And cut off our name from the earth. And what will they do unto thy great name? And the Lord said to Joshua, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken 